from Duck Creek Technologies, it's Conversations on the Creek, the podcast series where we interview our partners about how the latest technology and insure tech is transforming the PNC insurance industry. I'm Rob Savitsky from the Duck Creek product marketing team. And I'm Zach May from the Duck Creek solution partner team. And in today's episode, we're so thrilled to be joined by Stan Smith, founder and CEO of Gradient AI, who will share his perspective on how AI and predictive analytics can help carriers make smarter claims processing decisions. Gradient AI provides AI-powered predictive analytics and decision support solutions that reduce claims expenses and improve claim outcomes. Stan, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Rob, Zach, thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Absolutely. Thanks so much for making time out of your day to, to come on and, and chat with us. Zach, let's get it rolling. Let's do it. Um, so, you know, before diving into some some of the questions that we had in mind that we wanted to ask you, Stan, just wanted to start by saying um, a big congratulations to you and the, the rest of the Gradient AI team on your recent Series B investing funding. Um, I know that's an exciting time with with where grading is in your company life cycle so um so kudos to you all for that and looking forward to seeing how that helps you all scale and, and grow the business um even more than it is today um but with that you know let's let's go ahead and dive in so you know i want to start and focus on a few of the industry buzzwords that we we hear uh probably every day working in this space um but i'll start by asking a big question Stan, how would you define AI um, versus machine learning versus predictive analytics? And really, what is the difference between those three? So uh, on a broad level, I would differentiate AI versus machine learning as AI or artificial intelligence is really the bigger concept. And it's really about creating intelligent machines or models, if you want to call them the models. They're mathematical formulas, basically, that, that do a lot of calculations, but that's their that's the models uh, in action that can actually simulate human thinking and behavior. So that's the big picture of artificial intelligence. Machine learning is really an application or a subset of AI that allows machines to learn from data without being programmed explicitly. So you can actually show a model some data and, and, and ask it to predict an outcome. And if the data contains the information to predict that outcome, the model will give you some level of, of prediction. If it contains a lot of information for that prediction, it will give you an accurate uh, pr prediction of the outcome. If it doesn't, it will give you a modest or very low accuracy. But it's really interesting. The models themselves can be extremely complex, but the way you understand how good the model is working is how accurate it predicts an outcome um, in, in, in that particular application. Um, you know, predictive analytics is also, I think about it, is the application either of these two technologies. Um, so, you know, predictive analytics is really doesn't describe which technologies or combination of technologies you're working with or applying. So it's it's really more of a generic term than either machine learning or artificial intelligence. Sure. No, I, I think that's very helpful and um, certainly appreciate your your perspective on those on those words again, as we we hear them very often uh, in, in our everyday lives. So so appreciate your uh, your answer there, um, you know, c kind of boiling it down into a little bit more insurance specific uh, mm -hmm. topic. Um, what are some of the insurance data sources that 
AI powered predictive analytics and, 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 you know, predictive models, um, are trained on and receive and, um, and it kind of a part two to that question, how are the models actually trained? Great. So in the, in the first part, I'll, I break it down into sort of two types, two categories, if you will. And, and this is general. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't, if I was talking to a data scientist, I wouldn't necessarily use these kinds of terms, but I think for the broader audience here, uh, we tend to break it down into two types of categories. One is structured and the other is unstructured. Structured tends to be well-defined and, and therefore well understood by a model. That, examples of that would be dollar, you know, dollar amounts. Uh, it would be medical codes. So under medical codes, there's a set of diagnosis codes. Um, there are treatment codes and those are drug codes, which are fairly self-explanatory. So when a doctor sees a patient, they write down what they, how they diagnose the condition of that patient, if there's injuries uh, that the patient suffered, um, those are codified in, the, in a standard set of diagnosis codes. So a model can actually see those diagnosis codes and understand combinations of body part, severity, and then they can look at the treatment codes and the drug codes and understand duration of treatment, intensity of treatment, uh, types of drugs being applied, number of refills, that's very rich information, but it's standard. Therefore, a claim in one state versus a claim in another state, the treatment codes, drug codes, and diagnosis codes are consistent. Therefore, the model can understand that is the same kind of injury or it's very different and it's being handled differently. And so that's, that's you know, some examples of, you know, what we call structured information. Unstructured tends to apply to things like text, images, voice, you know, recordings, scan documents, where there may be some interpretation. Uh, in, in the text example, a real simple example of this area, which falls under this branch called natural language processing, which is really exploding in its use cases around not just insurance, but all over other industries. The model is trained to assess sort of key features of the text. And it's simple if you think about it, if you break it down to sort of four categories, keywords, key phrases, sentiment, and context. So if you go back and think about keywords, so in a, in a claim where someone's injured, certain injuries like a broken bone, uh, healing of that broken bone relies on blood flow. Well, if there's a keyword in the, in the text around the claim file that says smoker, that might indicate this person's a smoker. And that means that certain kinds of uh, treatments for broken bones are more recommended than others, given that there's sometimes restricted blood flow due to smoking. However, a key phrase might say light smoker, or it could say heavy smoker, or non-smoker. So you've got to understand, the model can't just look for the word smoker. It's got to understand phrases that might indicate you know, more, less, non-existent, those kinds of things. Sentiment and context, it can also understand you know, things like uh, uh, people being willing to uh, be compliant with instructions. Is the, you know, in a word, word comp example, is the claimant refusing to come to the phone? Well, that's not good sentiment. Or, you know, and, the, and the context of that is that person may not be willing to uh, work with the insurance company to try and resolve the claim or get medical treatment as, a, as the medical uh, provider is trying to provide to that person. So again, really being able to sift through large amounts of, of this unstructured text, but bring out the most important features of that information. And images are now being commonly used in, in auto claims to help rapidly estimate the cost of repair. So if someone just takes a picture, most of the, more and more of the insurance companies are actually putting this in apps that they can give to their, their customers. They take a picture and in, in seconds, the, the models can assess roughly the, the expected cost of repairs. Um, so 
it's just it's becoming more and more common. And again, many of these things are being provided to aid in, in the in the customer satisfaction portion of of the insurance industry. Sure, and yeah, those those really are some great uh, detailed examples. So you also asked about training. So the way you train these models um, is I'll just really simply, you tend to take a set of information where the outcome is known. So you'll take a historical set of claims, for example, and you'll have say five years of claims. You'll wanna take a what's called a holdout set, maybe 20% of all the claims from each year, and you'll put those aside and you'll show the model all the data for that entire period of time, except for that 20% of claims. And so if the model is learning what will happen or what won't happen from all the claims that it sees, when you take that trained model, then you apply it to what's called the holdout set, the claims the model has never seen. And you just take this one claim at day one and say, okay, how severe is this claim gonna be? If the claim model predicts that it's gonna be very severe and it's not very severe, that model hasn't learned appropriately. On the other hand, what's more typical when you have a lot of rich data in these claim files, that model tends to be fairly accurate um, at day one, but it gets more accurate at every single day of more information that is presented to from these claims it's never seen. And therefore you can you can test the claim at first notice of loss, at day five, day 30, whatever days and, and time periods you want to see how well that model makes the prediction that you find important from a business perspective. So again, going back to that auto claim, with just that picture, no other information, how well can that model assess the cost of this claim and the, and the cost of that repair? Or does it do better at day four or day 10 when there's a little bit more information? Maybe an adjuster has been there, uh, maybe a field adjuster has gone on site and added, gotten some more information. Uh, maybe there was some telematic information that was gathered that included speed and direction at time of accident that added that information and made that uh, prediction of cost of repairs even more accurate. But again, you can actually test these and, and have a lot of confidence in how accurate the models are or are not at different stages in the life of a claim, which is very, very important when you're trying to put this kind of technology into production and use it as part of the business process of managing these claims. Got it. No, that's really interesting, Stan. And you know, certainly the auto example of getting the photos. And so I'm wondering with, with the training models and all the structured and unstructured data that you're processing, um, what would you say are some of the other main use cases you're seeing in claims that AI and predictive analytics are being used to solve? So I, I think, um, you know, the, the, this, this technology area and the use cases in the, in the insurance world have sort of started at the severity end of claims. I think that was sort of where this all got started, you know, five to 10 years ago. Um, and now it's moving to um, much more uh, deep insight. I think uh, some of the things that goes on now uh, with these claims, even on the severity side, is reason codes. So in other words, it used to be a black box. The, the model would just say this claim is going to cost $45 or $4,000 or $450,000. And an adjuster just had to say, well, I think the model knows what it's doing or I don't. Now these these richer modeling techniques can actually give you the reason codes or the uh, risk factors that cause the model to think that this particular claim it has these particular aspects, and that's why in this case it thinks it's going to be extremely expensive or not as expensive as you might otherwise think. Um, the uh, Some other areas um, is things like on injuries. So um, what happens now, besides just severity, the model can also uh, look at uh, predicting common medical treatments. So, okay, I've got a claimant that got hurt here in a work comp claim. 
it's, you know, whatever body part it is, what are the medical treatments that will or are likely will not occur? These are not medical predictions. We're not trying to diagnose and, and provide care through these things, but we're trying to provide the adjuster with information that can actually make the claim handling smoother. For example, if this claim is likely to get physical therapy, if they pre-authorize that, that means the doctor knows that that treatment's already authorized because it's highly likely that's going to uh, be applied to this particular claim. That means this, this claim handling will be smoother, and that claimant most likely will be happier with that service, and therefore that claim tends to have less chance to become what some people call jumper claims or creeping catastrophic claims, which is a benign-looking claim that somehow goes off the rails and becomes very expensive. Um, these, these models can also predict things like potential for litigation. Uh, you know, in other words, maybe you want to treat this claim a certain way because there's either a high probability of you know, potential litigation or, or, in fact, low probability. It might make a difference in how the adjuster might behave. Um, and then there's interventions. I think this is one of the most interesting parts, also one of the most challenging parts of applying these kind of technologies and techniques, really identifying actions that could have a positive impact on either cost, duration, or both um, on a claim as it, as it sort of ages, you know, goes from day one to day 30, wherever it is. These are things like subrogation, applying a sub, you know, subrogation technique to a claim that might resolve that claim in a positive way for the carrier. Suggesting a settlement. That might be the best way to resolve this claim, but doing it earlier than maybe a uh, adjuster might normally do it. Um, medical case management. What medical case management that might actually have a very positive impact on this claim, potentially earlier or in a way that this particular adjuster hasn't seen before because this model has actually learned it from other, other claims that it's observed. So there's, there's a lot of this newer sort of um, impact-related uh, techniques that are going on out there today. Right. No, those are a lot of a lot of use cases and applications of, of AI and ML. Um, I, I'm wondering. I think you know most people, when they think of claims or they think of automation and be able to, at times, provide the customer with the most seamless experience at, at you know at a given moment. And I'm curious as to what role do you see predictive analytics solutions, um, you know, such as yourselves, having on a claims claim adjuster's job? Is it you know taking stuff away from them? Is it enhancing it? How does it all work together from your perspective? So that's a great question, Rob. We've been asked that a lot, and it's been something we've been very sensitive about as we got started, but we've also learned that we can actually turn this into something very positive from an adjuster's perspective. And so I think of it, instead of artificial intelligence, when we talk to folks like adjusters and underwriters, because we do things on the underwriting side as well, we a lot of times we'll refer to it as augmented intelligence. And this is really assistance with their day and they're thinking about a claim. These claim files can be pretty large. And for them, you know, they may be working on lots of claims. In fact, they typically are. And when they open up a claim that may be open for 60 days or 90 days, or in some cases in more comp years, they have to go refresh themselves with this, this by reading the claim file and understanding what's been going on to kind of get up to speed with what they need to do today. Well, the models are able to do that kind of work very, very fast and provide accurate insight into that case. And so think of, one way to think about it is a second opinion. The adjusters can consider what the model's telling them, what the prediction is about the cost, uh, the, the duration, the complexity of this claim. They can then agree or disagree, and then they can move forward with what they believe is, is the best treatment based on their experience and judgment on how to handle that particular claim. And in a lot of cases, they disagree with the models. But again, it's, it's a case where some of the greatest uh, sort of use case stories we get from clients is when the... Adjuster disagreed and was very valid in doing so. And you know they get the same kind of 
applause as when they were agreed and the, and the case also resolved well. So uh, this is not about the, the models always being better than the adjuster. It's about assisting the adjuster and hoping to make the best decision. Uh, we also think this is about reducing more of the mundane tasks that adjusters have to do. So if you've got accurate forecast, it's a low cost claim, a low risk claim, and can be handled with a high degree of automation, that gives the adjusters more time to focus and focus with their experience and really insight on the more complex cases where their experience is required to handle that appropriately. And honestly, if this is handled the right way within the organizations, this is where adjusters provide the greatest value to their employer, to the carriers. And when we try to coach the uh, executives in these organizations, that's the way that we'd like to have this interpreted, which is allow your adjusters to bring the greatest value they can to the organization by handling the claims appropriately, saving money. But you know, as some of my investors say, what they like about what we do, it's a win-win. When the claim is handled appropriately, the claimant gets paid sooner, gets paid appropriately, and in many cases, the case resolved and they have better a better outcome for themselves personally, whether it's a physical repair of the car or damage to their body that was caused by an injury, better you know, results for them. And that means a win for the for the claimant as well. Makes sense. Yeah, no, I think adjusters certainly uh, all would appreciate, uh, you know, having those extra tools in their tool bag and be able to take advantage of them when they need them at the same time. You know, like you said, there's certain uh, certain mundane tasks, certain claims that probably aren't worth their time and they can just add more value to the ones that are really complex and really, uh, you know, really will make a difference in, in the company's bottom line. So Stan, um, I know you've been around this space for for some time now and have probably seen lots of changes <laughs> in the industry here. But, you know, in your perspective, how have carrier expectations shifted in the PNC landscape around using AI and predictive analytics, say, in the last five years? And, you know, do, do you think carriers really know how to properly use the technology um, or, or are they more simply following the AI trend? So, uh, good question, Zach. Lot, lot, lot to, to refer to on that one. So, first, I think the simplest ob observation is that AI has gone from what I would call almost a curiosity or interesting concept years ago, and I think it's turned into a business imperative across the industry. And, and more specifically, uh, there's more people using this, and therefore, um, you know, if you're not doing it, there's probably some you're, you're you're being disadvantaged in the marketplace. If others are using this to handle claims more efficiently reduce their ALAE. Um, that means they're going to be able to resolve claims faster. That means they can price their policies lower. They can have a better financial performance as a business. They're gaining a business advantage. So, um, you know, some of these carriers have been working on these models for years, though, some of the bigger carriers, and they have large amounts of internal data, um, as you would expect. And they're fairly advanced in having started some of these claims severity models and under, underwriting models years ago. Um, but I think what, what they've done is so far, you know, what you sort of a home brew, if you will, they, you know, home, home de developed or, or, you know, just built on what they know. So they know what they know and they don't know what they don't know. So what I've observed that's in the use case of AI in the landscape of insurance is that um, more traditional methods of managing the performance of carriers combined ratio have, have worked with firms, you know, when, when they uh, really try to think about this holistically. What are we trying to do to manage the life of claims as opposed to build specific models? I've talked to many carriers who have put a model or two into production without much results. 
because again, that was more of an experiment, an AI experiment or a data science experiment, rather than really looking at the use case of what are we trying to, to do with this tool called, called, all, called artificial intelligence in managing these claims and managing claims outcomes. Sure, no, very interesting perspective. Yeah, and on that note, Stan, I, you know, I think um, you know most folks recognize that a lot of the data, as, as you were pointing out there earlier on, it's uh, you know only so much of it is being processed by carriers. I think you know some estimate ten to fifteen percent uh, of the data is being analyzed. And so, if you're a, a smaller carrier with very little data, to me that sounds like it's um, you know a small percentage of an even smaller amount that you might have access to. And so, I'm curious. Can predictive analytics and AI scale down to smaller carriers? So one simple word, absolutely. And, and I, again, not to be too commercial here, but we started in focused, by focusing on those smaller companies. Um, we knew that those companies would have sort of limited resources, you know, whether they have a lot of actuaries or IT resources, or, or in some cases, none at all. They outsource those for those resources. In many cases, their data that's required for building these models is also um, limited. So our business model has from the very beginning been one of aggregating data <clears throat> across multiple clients on both the underwriting side and claim side so that when we engage with a, a client that uh, has limited internal data, we can augment that data with both our curated, what we call federated data set and um, other third-party data that we've learned is useful and valuable in predicting outcomes of claims, for example. Um, so it it's, was specifically designed to help the smallest companies. If you think about tier one through four, we started with tier fours, but now we're working with a number of tier threes and twos. And you know, someday as we build up our data sets, we'll probably be working with a number of the tier ones. Um, but right now, it's where we can bring a lot of value. And and these some of these companies that are still limited in their, in their own data can be, you know, in the half to to a full billion dollars of a premium per year that still can benefit from this. And we are working with a number of multi-billion dollar carriers as well, working on some of their smaller lines to help them get started. So um, you know, even some of the big firms have limitations in some of their lines when they're trying to expand lines into new states or go into new lines of risk altogether. Got it. No, that's really great to hear that there, there's this you know, vast pools of data that the different carriers can access. And you know, whether you're a small, a small carrier or even a larger carrier that maybe you know, could use the benefit of having this additional data, that's really great to to hear that it's available and accessible. So as we uh, look to, uh, you know, conclude this this conversation, Stan, you know, I, I'll ask one, one big last question. And, you know, what do you think the future of AI and predictive analytics will have on the insurance industry and, and specifically within the claim space? So I think just one statement is I've been doing this since the early 2000s with the previous startup. So back, it wasn't even called artificial intelligence. We hadn't figured out that cool name. We just, it was machine learning because it was a fairly descriptive term. Um, but at no time have I seen this technology moving as fast as it is in the last few years. I think with autonomous vehicles coming on, with the, the interest across many, many industries and in artificial intelligence, the, the, the modeling techniques that are coming out are just coming fast and furious. And so I think it's going to continue to impact the insurance industry in a very positive way in, from my perspective. It's going to allow companies to do a better job providing service to their customers on the claim side, better service, longer-term relationships with these customers, and I think driving better financial results for these carriers so they can actually provide uh, coverage at a lower cost to the end user, but also 
do well financially for themselves. So I, I think we're really just getting started. I think it's going to be exciting another five to 10 years before this becomes mundane, because I still think there's a ton of new techniques and technologies coming online that, that hasn't even been applied yet really broadly to the, the claim side of insurance yet. I think, yeah, absolutely. I think we can certainly say this is uh, this is going to continue to be a, a space within insurance that's going to do great things and really, I think, help um, foundationally change the industry and how carriers, you know, do business today. Um, yeah. So with that, Stan, um, do you want to go ahead and wrap up and certainly appreciate your time and joining us today? I, I hope you had a good time with us. I, I think we certainly did. And, uh, you know, really appreciate your perspective stuff. on all this. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah so, so thank you for your time, Stan. Thank you, Stan. And thank you all for tuning in today. Before we conclude today's episode, I'd like to highlight that at Duck Creek, we have two integrations with Gradient AI, where we pull in Gradient AI claim severity prediction scores for both personal auto and workers' comp into Duck Creek claims, which can then be used by carriers to make better claim assignment decisions. To learn more about our integrations with Gradient AI, go to duckcreek.com slash partner slash gradient dash A dash I. And if you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to check out all of our other great podcast episodes, webinars, and more content on our virtual events platform, VFormation, by going to vformation.duckcreek.com. We'll see you next time.